I was asked to speak on offense. Wonderful topic, great topic, but it's just a reality of things that we face in our Christian walk that we're going to have to learn to deal with. And uh, so I'm really trusting we're going to delve a little bit into the Word because I want the Word to teach us. Derek Prince said one of the hardest things to do is just preach the Word. It's very difficult because we always want to add our own things. And so we're going to delve into the Word a bit and see what the Word says about it. Why are we doing this? One, because somebody gave a word, a prophetic word, about the possibility of offense coming during the season of transition. So we just want to adhere to that, be intentional about it. And I heard last week that actually somebody had a dream about it, with one not know about the other. So we just want to be intentional. We want to be proactive in terms of talking about this. So we become aware of it, but more that we know how to deal with it in a biblical manner. Now, I'm not talking about the cross. The gospel is offensive to some people. Clearly, the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians, that the gospel is a stumbling block. It's the word offense to some. But to others, it's the gift of life. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the scripture where Jesus sent the 72 out and they came back. Well, verse 17, it said, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in our name. Now, it's not about that. But they just experienced something they'd never experienced before. They'd seen it, but not experienced it, if you understand. And so Jesus replied the whole thing about, I saw faith, Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and he talks about authority, etc., etc. Then in verse 21, he says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. And so what was very important to the God of all the earth, sometimes the world can just push it aside. And it brought such joy to the heart of Jesus. The Bible says that. Because the Father had just revealed something to these 72 men, which the world would probably just, well, what are you, what's that about? It's nothing. But it's very, very close to the heart of the Father. Are you with me? And so the cross is very close to the heart of the Father, and his church is very close to the heart of the Father. And so he, the Bible talks about offense. And not offense of the cross, but the offenses that we can take with one another. Because the Father loves us. Love is unconditional. So we're not going to earn his love. And when we take an offense, it's not because he doesn't love us or is out to get us. Because he loves us so much, he's out to shape us. So the Bible's very clear that as we desire to grow, to mature, to grow in the life of God, in the purposes of God to grow in understanding what it means to be kingdom people, we will need to deal with offense. It's not a question of if we will be offended, it's when we get offended. Because everybody's sitting here, you've been offended some way, some way, somehow. But we don't need to live there, we need to move on. You're with me? And so it's key that we understand in a biblical way. I've just found in my own life that when people lose the vision, or they lose the purpose for which God has called them, or they lose, or the church loses its purpose 
people go in on themselves. And they start to fight about little things. And we get upset with little things, about the chairs are not the right color or the right shape or whatever. And that becomes the major when it's actually nothing. And so we offend one another because we've lost our focus. I also found that when change is happening, as it is now, we can tend to step on one another's toes without us being aware of it. All right, please remember we're kingdom people. And I love the story about Aaron and Moses that Clayton shared with us last week. And Moses, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, brothers and sisters, that when they were being offended by one another, when they were offended with Moses, God said, whoa, hang on a minute. We're just going to stop what we're doing now, and we're just going to stay here while we sort this issue out. Because it was so key. And it's the same in our life. When we take an offense, it's like God says, whoa, hang on a minute. Let's just sort something out before we can continue with what we're doing. It's a similar principle because he wants to work in our heart because he loves us so much. So please remember that. John 14, 15, 16, and 17. I've always encouraged people, read it as many times as you can. Incredible piece of scripture. All scripture is incredible, but this for me is particularly incredible because it's just before Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and he spends this time explaining some deep truths that the disciples are going to need for when he's not there. And it's all about the coming of the Holy Spirit and staying connected to him and abiding in the vine. And in amongst this incredible truth that he's depositing, in John 16, 1, he says this, All this I've told you so that you will not go astray. Now that word, will not grow astray, is the Greek word where we get our word offense from. It's scandalon. It actually means, I've told you this, so that you will not take an offense when things begin to happen to you. You'll not be offended by what's going to come your way. So, my Bible says, will not go astray. So there's certain things that, when we take an offense, if we take it, and we dwell on it, we either start to go astray, or we either produce some sort of sin reaction out of us, or we can fall away, when I say fall away from the Lord, not fall out of salvation, but we fall away from His life. We fall away from the intimacy, if you understand what I say, or it produces unbelief in us, or our hearts begin to get a little crusted. They're not as pliable and soft in the hands of the Lord when we've taken hold of the offense. So, let's have a look, if you can put the first overhead, what is this word, offense? It's the Greek word scandalon. What it means is to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall. And it can entice us to sin, or it can cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. So they fall away from that person. Or it's to be offended in one. That is to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his or her authority. So it's very key how we respond to testings, to temptation, to authority. To, um, it's key how we respond to these things. It's to cause one to judge unfavorably or unjustly of another. And then since one who stumbles or whose feet gets entangled feels annoyed, to cause one displeasure at a thing, to make indignant, to be displeased, to be indignant. 
The word scandal means to craftily entice or lead to ruin, align someone to adopt a course of action in their life in which they unknowingly walk some mischief or something's going to happen to them down the line. But that's exactly what it means. It actually means the bait that you take and you put on a trap to entice the animal to come to take the bait. And as they take the bait, they get trapped. And that bait is called scandal on it's the offense. So when we take an offense, and some people offend us, and they don't even know they've offended us, and we take the bait, we get trapped. And that's why Jesus is saying to these disciples, I'm telling you these, and we just spoke about, listen, you're going to be all persecuted, you're going to be misunderstood. Now, when that happens to you, don't take the bait of what people are saying about you and cause them to trap you. Don't take it. That's what he's saying. Don't fall away. Derek Prince put it this way. I have been associated with the full gospel ministry for more than 50 years. During those years, I've observed two things which have done more than anything else to hinder the acceptance of the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first is the failure to exercise proper, he uses the word control, the proper control over the public manifestation of spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongues. The second is strife and division among spirit-baptized believers, both among members of the same congregation and between two congregations, because they got offended. And so there's division that takes place. He goes on to say, each of these has its origin in one and the same error. The failure to acknowledge the effective lordship of the Holy Spirit. We are now in a position to offer a definition of true spiritual liberty. Spiritual liberty consists in acknowledging the effective lordship of the Holy Spirit in the church. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. So I very simply put in my own words. Let me use this young man here, if I may. He says something or does something, and it affects me. It's not even directed at me, but he says something or he does something that sparks something in me. So the offense has risen, and he does something or says something. Now there's a bait for me to say, it's touched a button in me, and I'm going to, yes, you offended me. Nine times out of ten, we don't know if we've offended someone else, but they've taken an offense. So the issue is not with him, because he doesn't know. The issue is actually with me who's taken it. Now remember what I said. We don't earn the love of God. The love is unconditional. So if we take the fence or take the bait and something rises up, it's just an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity for God to mold us. It's an opportunity for me to run to him and say, God, I need some help here. This thing's arising in me that, ooh, it's not pleasant. So don't criticize yourself. Please don't get in on yourself. And you know where you get offended a lot is with people who are close to you or you work with or you fellowship with or family because they know how to push buttons. So it actually means things that cause people to take offense. Jesus is saying it is certain that things will happen into us that cause us to take that bait, that offense. We will be offended. So Jesus is saying, watch out. Offenses will come to bait you, to cause you into a trap that will produce sin, 
It will produce going away, going astray, sin, a falling away, unbelief, or a hard-heartedness. And then I wrote, if we allow those things, if we dwell on the offense, if we dream on it and take it and think about it and live it and play midnight movies, do you know what I'm talking about? And you know this thing that goes round and round, you know what I'm talking about in your head. And you, before you sleep and you're thinking, oh, how am I going to say this to this person? How am I going to get them back? In the New King James, an offended brother is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. An offended brother is harder to be won over than a strong city, and their contentions separate them like the bars of a castle. It's actually, there's a book by John Devere called The Bait of Satan, and that's what this is all about, The Bait of Satan. It actually is the bait of Satan. Satan's baiting us to take this hold of this offense, living it, stewing it, eat little worms in the corner with it, and then pull us away from the life of God and from fellowship. Because we took an offense, a little offense. That's why the Bible warns about it again and again and again. So the first one is John 16. The Bible says about gain or astray. For me, it is simply this, that when we go astray, because Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 3 says that their hearts are always going astray and they have not known the ways of God. So when we take an offense and we start to go astray, we begin to lose the ways of God. We don't lose Lord, but we begin to not hear His voices clearly. We begin to lose the way He wants to go about things. And then religion sets in. And that's what happens when we start to go astray. We lose the ways of God how God does things, because he does them differently all the time. Now, the context here is where John is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison. He's obviously having some hard time there. He calls some of his disciples and he sends them to Jesus and said, are you the Messiah? Yet he was actually the one that said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In Luke 7, 18, it says John's disciples told him about these things, told John about all that Jesus was doing. Verse 21, at that time Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away. That word fall away is offense. It's exactly the same word as go astray. Blessed is the man who is not offended on the account of me. Why is he saying that? My understanding and the way I read it is simply this. is because John is in prison, Jesus had publicly declared that he came to set prisoners free. Now John's in prison and there's no record in the Bible of Jesus having, even going to visit him. He just leaves him there. I don't know what John was going through. I don't know. But it's like there was an unmet expectation. There was an expectation that was put on Jesus that he wasn't meeting. That somebody else had put on him. He hadn't put it on himself. And so when we have unmet expectations, we can take an offense very easily. 
We have an expectation on our wife, on our husband, the way they should behave or what they should do. And if they don't do it the way we like it, we can pick up an offense. But it's our expectation. They didn't put it there. We put it on them. Or we have an expectation of leaders, what they should be and what they shouldn't be and what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. And when they don't do it, then we get offended at them. And it's just the bait of Satan. That's all it is. It's an unmet expectation. And what it leads to is hurt and resentment. And we project on others what they should do and the way they should do it and when they should do it. I'll read the Amplified, what the Amplified says about this, because I think the Amplified puts it wonderfully. And blessed, happy, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions. And to be envied is he who takes no offense in me, and who is not hurt, or resentful, or annoyed, or repelled, or made to stumble. And so we easily get hurt and offended at people, unfortunately. I know it's happened to me. And we're going to get how to deal with it, where I've got hurt or offended by somebody, and they didn't even know they did it. And I just find if we stew in it, it just causes things in us that are not pleasant. That's all I'm trying to say. And the Lord has said, just, it's okay, come to me, I'm not surprised, Ken, that that was in your heart. I knew it was there. You haven't surprised me. But we can deal with it. All right, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the one that causes unbelief. To fall away literally means to strangle the life of God or the joy of God or the strength of the faith that washes faith out of us. That's what it does. All right, let's go to Mark chapter 6. If you go to verse 1, it's where Jesus left there and went to his hometown. He accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he went to teach in the synagogue. Verse 3, now the people were amazed as he's teaching in his hometown. And they said, where did the man, this man, get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? And he even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simeon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And you'll see what it produced. He could do no miracles except lay hands on a few sick people. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So what did this offense produce? Unbelief. So for me, the heart of the matter is trust you. They did not trust the one that was speaking his words. And so when we take an offense against someone, or particularly someone in authority, we lose trust in them. The trust gets eroded. The trust gets taken out of the way. And so we don't trust them anymore. It's not that they won't make mistakes. It's not that they won't perhaps even mess up from time to time. But when you know somebody, you trust their heart. Are you with me? And we lose the trust of that person's heart. That's what begins to happen. And I know trust is earned. I know trust takes a while. But the evil wants to lay a trap there, take the bait, and then the trust slowly goes. Because that's what happened, yeah. The trust disappeared. And obviously he came in a way that they didn't want him to come, and when they wanted to come. All right, the context here, John chapter 6. 
He's talking about to eat his flesh and drink his blood. You know, the whole context of John 6, and I'm the bread of life. So verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Same word. What I'm saying, is this something that is a bait to you, you're going to take and pull away from me? And he goes on to say to them, that is why I told you that no one who come to me can come unless the Father enabled him. So the context here is very simply, they heard this teaching, they did not like the teaching, so their hearts became a little crusted, and they pull away. And that's what happens when we hear something, when we hear a truth, and we don't want to adhere to it, or we don't want to take it in, and we become offended at it, our hearts can become a little crusted. Or we, somebody says something to us, and uh, we don't want to adhere to the decision that's been made. Being in leadership, you don't always agree with everything, but you hash it out, and then you come to a decision, and you go together in it. And that's how you know you're a team, because you, you work it out. Not a question of it, everybody has to agree with me, or you don't have a say in the matter, or you don't have an opinion in the matter. But when a decision is made, this is the way we're going, this is the way we're going to go forward, you climb in together. Otherwise, if we don't do that, our heart becomes crusted. We pull back. That's what happens. Our affections get pulled back. Our involvement gets pulled back. Just, we slowly just pull back. That's how you know you've got an offense. I use this example. And forgive me because I've used it before. I'm just wanting us to really grasp this. Using you, young man, again, if you don't mind. Him and I are best buddies. We chat every Saturday. And then he comes one Saturday and he says something to me and I haven't arrived in the best of moods. And then he says something, and it triggers something in me, and I take an offense. He's not aware of it. So next Saturday comes, and then I used to chat with him. Now all of a sudden I just say, how you doing? And I move off. And the next time I see him, it, how you doing? It's from this distance. And then the next week it's, hi. And then the next week the hi is even gone. And I tend to walk around him. That's how you know you've taken an offense and it needs to be dealt with, and we're going to talk about it. And he's saying to himself, what is wrong with that guy? Why is he not talking to me? And then he can take an offense. That's what happens. Yes or no? And the devil is saying, all right. Now they'll just lose where they tend to go, and the focus and what I call them to, and they'll just look at one another. They've taken the bait, the offense. It's often a time we misunderstanding. It was misunderstanding, yeah. And when we misunderstand, we can pass judgment on other people very easily. Very, very easily. Because we just misunderstand. And unfortunately, when there's misunderstanding, a lot can happen. All right, so that's, and I didn't touch on the sun. We know it can produce sun in us, the way we react or what we say or what we do or whatever the case is, which is not pleasant. So how do we deal with offense? How do we go about dealing with it? All right, very simply. The Bible gives us some ways how to go about it. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. This is the heart of the matter. If we can keep at the center when we get offended, the center of the issue is to reconcile, is to reconnect, not to prove a point, not to prove I'm right, or not to prove you wronged me. If you can get that out of the way, 
and just come with a heart of, listen, this is not good for any of us. Let's just connect. Then we're on the right road. But we often want to justify something. Justify it so it makes us feel a little bit better by what we, our reaction. So Ephesians chapter 4 says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. How? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. So, the first thing, if I have taken offense, if he's offended me, the first thing I must do is not tell anybody else. Because it's got nothing to do with anybody else. But unfortunately, we do. And then it multiplies. And then we've got a lot of work to undo when we slowly get it right. But to keep it to myself. Or if I'm going to tell somebody, I'm going to go to somebody that's going to help me work this thing through. Not to justify my action. Just listen, I was offended. You need to help me work this through. And they might say, well, what happened? So we can get to the root of it. Please, I encourage you. Don't go tell somebody else about it. If you're offended by leaders, please don't go tell other people. Just because it slowly erodes, that's what it begins to do. Decide to work it out. You might need to speak to your wife or your husband, which I understand, so you can work it together and pray about it together. That's understandable, you're one flesh. But don't broadcast it out there. That's what I'm trying to say. Keep it to yourself, because that's what the Bible says. I'll read you a proverb. 17.9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates friends. He who covers over an offense promotes love. He who repeats the matter separates friends. Because then I got offended by him. Now I tell Clayton. Now Clayton picks up my offense. Now their relationship's at strain. And that's what happens. And we can easily pick up other offenses. We can easily pick up other people's offense. Very easy to do that. So, bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. How many have encouragement from being united with Christ? Hallelujah. If any comfort from His love. If any fellowship with the Spirit. Yes. If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. Now, I'm not telling you that's easy. I'm not suggesting that in any form. But why? Because the fleshly nature doesn't like that. But the godly nature, the spirit nature, loves that. That's why we need the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit to walk through this. Because I can't do it in myself. 
Verse 12, Therefore, my dear children, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Now remember what he's talking about, about being one together. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So it's God who works in you. It's not this man who offended me that works in me. It's God who works in me. It's God who works in me. It's God's energy in me. It's God's life in me to war and to act according to his good purpose. So then Paul carries on. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation which you sign like stars as you hold out the word of life. And he's saying, that's why, because you hold out the word of life. You hold out the name of Jesus. You hold out the glory of who God is. Because that's what wants to come out of us. That's what is put within us. So I wrote you, be one in spirit and in purpose. If we're in the same, we have a similar purpose and a similar mindset. We can be different in our giftings and expression. There's diversity in that. But we have a similar purpose. And what is our purpose? The king and the kingdom. Amen. What holds us together is not my need, but the mandate that God has given us. That's what holds us together. So what holds us all together is not my need, but God's mandate. He will meet my need. Not you. He will meet my need. But together we have this purpose, this mandate. That's why we've got to make sure we understand the purpose and the mandate. So we're going to get caught up with the little things Yeah, Be like-minded. How do we practically work this out? Develop a culture of honor, make a deliberate decision to honor others. Guard against cliques. I encourage you to guard against cliques because that's just uh, one step away sometimes from an offense being taken. Build relationships and friendship and fellowship. This is where I dealt with when I've been offended. What I've done, I've found, is I need to take it to God first and foremost, not to another person. And I need to spend time with God. I need time, I need prayer, and I need to be honest with Him and persistent with Him. Until that thing that has gripped me here, how many of you know it's that feeling inside? You know what I'm talking about? Until that feeling disappears. I was offended by somebody once. I've been offended by a few people, don't trust me, but one particular person that I hold in high esteem, that I looked up to, and they said something that offended me. Really offended me. I mean, I just, for some reason, something came up inside me. And uh, I actually told Michelle about it. And we was in this country, and we were actually staying in a hotel at that stage, and it was at a particular meeting and when the meeting finished I knew I had to be alone with God so I said to Michelle I just need to go spend time in the hotel room because this thing just wouldn't leave me and it took me two days two days before victory came and when I finally felt the breakthrough like something had broken something had been released you know what I mean that horrible feeling inside ah hallelujah I felt I could speak to that person easily now Whereas before, I couldn't speak to him easy. And what actually happened is the Lord laid it on Michelle and I's heart to go give him a gift, a huge monetary gift. Isn't that amazing? And we did. And so you've got to take it to God, people.
You go to spend time with them. It will not go. Just, I encourage you, don't suppress it. You've been offended. Because it's there, and then the activities of the days come and go in the weeks and the months, but it's still there and dealt with. And it festers. And then it doesn't take a lot to trigger it. It comes, it triggers quicker. And understand, it's not because we're bad. It's not because God dislikes us or God disapproves us. God loves us. But he wants that issue to come up and be dealt with. We can be very offended with the way people treat our kids. Because they don't, they don't treat them like we want them to treat them. They're doing the best they can. Now, I'm not saying you just let anything happen. I'm not saying that. I'm not, you put the boundaries and etc. You love your kids. But you understand what I'm saying? Watch for the offense that comes. That's what I'm trying to say. Then, so run to the Lord. Run to the Lord first. Then, when that feeling's gone, in the days or weeks or months to come, be intentional about engaging that person again. But don't overdo it, because they don't know. So again, if this man's offended me, I need to go sort it out with the Lord. It's not his issue, it's my issue. I've got to understand, it's not his issue, it's mine. He triggered something in me, so I've got to sort it out. Then when I've sorted it out, and I can be honestly open as I know how with this man, then I will intentionally engage him again. Just normally engage him. It can be through a phone call, it can be through an email, but you have to be intentional about it so you can reconnect. There's a reconnection that takes place and you know it inside you, you can feel it, that reconnection taking place. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Then the enemy has no hold there anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you'll often find God wants you to build with those people. Now remember the scripture I told you about where Jesus said you've got to drink my flesh, I mean eat my flesh and drink my blood? Three times in those, I think it's about 28, 29, 30 verses, he said, unless the Father draws you, you cannot come to me. He said it three or four times. In that, just put it in there, here and there and there. And then he said, now does this offend you? Turns to the people. And we know some turned away and left. Peter says, well, we don't know where else to go. We have no clue where else to go, so we're going to stick with you. And then Jesus said this. He said, but did I not tell you that unless the Father draws you, you cannot come to me? And I understood from that. This was many years ago. Particularly when I was leading this church, I felt God say to me, if I have not drawn the people into this fellowship, if I have not drawn them yet, when they take an offense, they're going to leave. Because I haven't drawn them yet. But the ones that have drawn you, when they take an offense, they will deal with it for their good. But they will stick with you. So hold people lightly. Don't hang on to people. Hold them lightly in your hand. Love them. Feed them. Teach them. Help them. Give your life for them. But hold them lightly. Amen. Because unless the Father does the work, it's of no avail. Unless it's a work of the Spirit, it will not last. And so any relationship is only as strong as the offense it's been through. 
That's how strong the relationship is. That's why you work it through. That's why you take it to God, get your heart right, get it soft and pliable, and then you carry on. But then there's a forged relationship, and the devil knows that. The devil knows that. Because as you took his bait, you said, no, I'm not going to stay with it. I'm going to let it go. And he knows he's been defeated in that area. Hallelujah. Because it's actually the bait of the evil one. Do not take offense, I encourage you. If we take it, it leads to hurt. Hurt will lead to unforgiveness. Then it's a road to deal with and to come. Then we've got to start with unforgiveness, forgiving people, etc., etc. If this man offended me, when God deals with my heart, I don't go back to him and say, listen, I'll forgive you. Say, what for? What did I do? What did I do? I did nothing. Don't do that. Entrust yourself to him who judges justly. I encourage you people. We so easy want to defend ourselves and justify ourselves. 1 Peter 2 verse 23. When they hold their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He suffered. He made no... Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. 1 Peter 2 23. Kept his mouth shut. Now, in your marriage... This is very difficult to work out. That's the cutting edge. That really is, people. I'm just being honest. And Michelle and I have a good marriage. And I've always said, whenever Michelle and I have disagreed, and honestly, folks, we do not have a lot of arguments. But what I found is when early on, I used to go to the Lord about it. I honestly did. I honestly did. I used to go to him about it and say, Lord, what's going on here? What's happening? And I think inside of me, subtly, I wanted the Lord to agree with me. I'm being honest. I think I wanted him to say, yeah, I know she was out of line. But he's never said that. He's always said to me, Ken, how's your heart? What's happening inside of you? Always. Because it's, yeah. It's like the pool, you know, all the messes at the bottom, and you, take this, you do this, and it all comes to the top, and you've got to sweep it off. It's not a negative, it's a very positive thing because Jesus spoke about it. That's why I took you to all the scriptures in the gospel more than anywhere else because it happened there and the principle of it remains. God who works in you to will and to act according to God who works in you. So just be aware of offense, that's all. I think the Lord is just saying, just be aware. Don't take an offense with all the change and what's happening and the pressure and this and that and we should do it this way. Just be aware of it. You can... You could work it through, chat, understand. That's nothing wrong with that. But don't take an offense where your emotion gets closed up inside you. Because that's, that's the beginning of it. That's all that is. Amen. All right. So now I'm going to be behalved. I'm going to be so honorable because we're amongst family here. If you're visiting with us, hallelujah. If you feel, Lord, I've taken an offense somewhere. And I really want you to work it through in my life. I want to, I don't want to walk with this. Maybe you've dealt with it partially, or you're busy dealing with it, or you've just let it lay, or whatever the case is. You're not a bad Christian. You're not negative. You haven't failed. You've done none of that stuff. It's the bait of Satan. That's what it is. I want you to stand. We're going to pray. I know it's tough. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You know why I ask you to stand? Because it's the first thing of saying, God, I'm going to be honest with this. I'm going to bring it into the light, and I'm telling you, devil, you do not ever hold him any longer. That's why I've asked you to stand. It's not easy. 
and nobody to think what they took. Was it me that they took it? Please, don't do that, because then you may as well stand as well. Father, I thank you so much. Even as Patsy said earlier, you're such a great God. Your word says, that scripture we read, Psalm 96, you're amazingly, amazingly loving, kind, gentle. But yet your Bible says you're loving and strong at the same time. Thank you for these precious people that had the guts to stand. And Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, in their vulnerability and their honesty, in just them humbling themselves, I ask you to put an axe to the root of offense. In Jesus' name. Put an axe to that root now. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we want to declare freedom over your precious people. And wholeness over your precious people. In the name of Jesus. I pray for every single person, Lord. Even those sitting that's had to work through some issues. I thank you that you're for us, you're not against us. And I thank you, guilt and condemnation, you have no place. People are not a failure. They haven't messed. It's just the reality of walking this walk, this road with you, Lord. We love you, because you love us. Let your name be glorified through what is taking place today, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.